to the Red Light Report. Your number one source for all things red light therapy. Where you will learn how to optimize your health, wellness, and longevity with the power of photobiomodulation. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Belkowski. Hey there, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back. Here we are. Another solo sode. First of all, Happy November. It's kind of crazy to think that there were less than two months away from 2023. So far this year, 22 has been a heck of a year. <laughs> a lot of ups, a lot of downs, a lot of in-betweens, but, but we're making through through it all together. I hope you guys have a lot of fun activities planned for your holidays coming up, Thanksgiving, Christmas, Hanukkah, whatever you guys celebrate. I hope you guys have a lot of fun activities planned with friends and family. As a quick reminder, I'm headed to... Italy here in in about a week, week and a half for my presentation at a health and wellness symposium in Rome. And of course, I'll be speaking on red light therapy. I'll be sure to have that presentation. We'll do an Instagram live, possibly through both the BioLite and my personal Instagram. And if we can, we'll get our hands on the audio and we'll turn that audio into an episode for this podcast here so you guys can hear the information that I present there. So I'm really excited for that. And as always, during Black Friday, the holiday sales, that's a the craziest time of year if you're running a retail e-commerce business. So uh, we got our hands full at BioLite, but we're excited and, and can't wait to get everyone their BioLite, whether you're buying something for yourselves or for friends and family for Christmas or just for the holiday spirit. We're, we're excited to get you guys your BioLites and especially with the new product we have coming out, the the Matrix, which is still in pre-order. So you can still capitalize on that 15% discount. And I'll tell you right now, a little insider information, the Matrix isn't going to have a discount for Black Friday. So if you're looking for a discount for that product, it's not going to get any better than the 15% for pre-order. So I highly recommend you guys capitalize on that if you're interested in the Matrix, that full body red light therapy mat listen to the ad during the middle of this podcast to hear what the coupon code is to capitalize on that 15%. And again, whether you're getting it for yourself or your friends or family, and of course, Christmas is right around the corner. And so we haven't done this for a while, guys, just talking about some good old red light therapy research. Of course, with the previous solo sodes, I've been going through the ebook, which covers great information and, and research. But as you could well guess, by the time that ebook actually gets published and out to you guys, there's already months and months of new research that comes out. So I always catalog the newest research that comes out so I can read it over, synthesize it, and figure out what I want to add to the ebook or to the website, the BioLite website. And of course, it helps create some content for social media. And then of course, I love to drop the hot off the press information to you guys here on the Red Light Report. And that's, that's kind of the purpose of this podcast is to keep you guys in the loop with the newest and greatest information relative to red light therapy. And so let's begin with this first article. And this is kind of an interesting one. Might not be super practical to most people, but the information and the fact that red light therapy can help, again, that just continues to solidify the amazing benefits and the amazing reach that red light therapy has, meaning it can help with so many different things across the age spectrum, across the health spectrum. And what I mean by that is, well, this first article is about chronic kidney disease. How many times have we talked about red light therapy in the kidneys? But this article came out, it's a review article, came out July 2022, so only a handful of months ago, in 
the International Journal of Molecular Sciences. And so, of course, the title is Therapeutic Potential of Photobiomodulation for Chronic Kidney Disease. So, the abstract goes as such. Chronic kidney disease is a growing global public health problem. The implementation of evidence-based clinical practices only defers the development of kidney failure. Death, transplantation, or dialysis are the consequences of kidney failure, resulting in a significant burden on the health system. Hence, innovative therapeutic strategies are urgently needed due to the limitations of current interventions. Photobiomodulation, a form of non-thermal light therapy, effectively mitigates mitochondrial dysfunction, reactive oxidative stress, inflammation, and gut microbiota dysbiosis, all of which are inherent in chronic kidney disease. Preliminary studies suggest the benefits of photobiomodulation in multiple diseases, including chronic kidney disease. Hence, this review will provide a concise summary of the underlying action mechanisms of photobiomodulation and its potential therapeutic effects on chronic kidney disease. Based on the findings, photobiomodulation may represent a novel, non-invasive, and non-pharmacological therapy for chronic kidney disease, although more studies are necessary before photobiomodulation can be widely recommended. So again, that's the abstract of this article. I highly recommend if you guys, especially if this pertains to you or or a friend or family member, I highly recommend you guys look over this article. Whereas some new research articles, you can't find anything but the abstract because you have to pay for the article and all that stuff. Well, this one they provide for free and it's, it's quite thorough and has a lot of information. So we'll include the link to all the articles I talk about, whether it's just the abstract or the full PDF in the show notes for this episode. So you can be sure to find what I'm looking at. So, so you can all read through what information pertains or, or interests you. But regardless, some interesting tidbits that I found in the article was this concept of the gut kidney axis. Of course, I think most of us are familiar with the gut brain axis and the implications of that. But let me read this to you. And this is, again, straight from the article that I'm speaking about now relative to red light therapy and chronic kidney disease. They go on to say that photobiomodulation may also play an important role in attenuating kidney disease via the gut-kidney axis, as the gut-kidney axis is increasingly considered a crucial contributor to chronic kidney disease. A disrupted gut microbiome worsens the gut leakage in patients with chronic kidney disease, leading to translocation of gut bacteria and endotoxin through the gut barrier due to disruption of tight junctions and elevated uremic toxins, which accelerates the deterioration of chronic kidney disease. Consequently, kidney function loss causes the increased retention of uremic toxins secreted in the gut lumen, driving up the severity of gut microbiota dysbiosis. Therefore, it is logical to attempt interventions to break this vicious cycle between kidneys and gut. Photobiomodulation, as discussed above, may favorably restore the gut microbiota, which might contribute to increased gut microbiota-produced short-chain fatty acids and strengthen the gut barrier with decreased uremic toxins and endotoxins. Directly targeting the kidney in adult humans requires penetration of the photobiomodulation through skin, muscle, some bone, and fat to a depth of a number of centimeters. It would be expected that a few photons will reach the kidney, although near-infrared light is known to have a deeper penetration than visible light, 
we know that the near-infrared penetrates deeper than red light. Photons not reaching the kidney will be absorbed by muscle and fat, which are known to reduce inflammation. A nephrostomy or a catheter passed through the urethra, the bladder, and the ureter to the kidney might be used to increase the light penetration to the kidney. However, they are quite invasive and would be challenging for repeated photobiomodulation treatments. Interestingly, increasing evidence has suggested that in addition to the direct effect of photobiomodulation, photobiomodulation can also provide protective effect through indirect systemic effects, such as immune inflammatory response or activation of secondary messenger pathways and transcription factors. There are numerous examples of the benefits of indirect photobiomodulation application, that is, photobiomodulation not specifically directed towards the site of the injury or disease, in both animal models and humans. And this includes cardiovascular disease, diabetic retinopathy, Alzheimer's disease, Parkinson's disease, and lung injury, and potentially depression. Thus, there are arguments for combining direct, meaning targeted, and indirect photobiomodulation for therapeutic benefits. Clearly, more studies are needed to understand the mechanistic basis of photobiomodulation to provide an opportunity to use this non-pharmacological therapy on chronic kidney disease. In summary, photobiomodulation might exert its beneficial effect by targeting kidney directly or indirectly through systemic effects. Photobiomodulation might have the potential to improve kidney function via promoting mitochondrial activity, suppressing oxidative stress, inhibiting inflammation, and restoring gut microbiota homeostasis. And so that concludes the inside information from that article. But like I said, the information even in this article alone, even though it's targeted towards chronic kidney disease, it has a ton, a ton of information that pertains to all types of red light therapy. And so they make a lot of good points here. First of all, red light therapy can have a systemic effect. And to their point, they're saying that there's a lot of diseases that can improve via indirect targeting of red light therapy. And so meaning you can target one area of the body, let's say the stomach, you're targeting your thorax, so to speak, yet the rest of your body gets a systemic benefit, meaning you can see it in your shoulders, in your back, in your brain, and, and so on, because the benefits travel throughout the body. Think about it. If, if you're releasing nitric oxide in a certain area, it has the potential for that nitric oxide to travel distal to that area you're targeting and improve vasodilation or improve circulation away from the area that you're specifically targeting. To their point, they're citing that, again, there are numerous examples of the benefits of indirect photobiomodulation application, and they point to cardiovascular disease, diabetic retinopathy, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, lung injury, and potentially depression. And so just listening to that list again, a lot of those have to deal with the brain, or at least you would think directly with the brain, such as Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, and depression. But we know from previous solo sodes when I've reported on some other research that you can improve symptoms of Parkinson's by treating just the gut with red light therapy. And so that's one of the favorite things, my favorite things to do is treat my gut on a semi-regular basis, not only to improve my gut health and, and my gut uh, microbiome, but because of that gut-brain axis, 
helping out with my brain health and my mental health and, and mitigating any of these pathologies tied to the brain by doing that treatment. And apparently, I'm also helping my kidneys because, again, in this article, they're pointing to the gut kidney axis and how a disrupted gut microbiome worsens issues relative to chronic kidney disease. So I don't know if I'm necessarily helping my kidneys or improving my kidneys, but I'm sure not making things worse for my kidneys by improving my gut microbiome and thus improving my gut brain access health, if you will, and improving my gut kidney access. So this article, quite honestly, was the first time I've heard of the gut kidney axis, and it makes me wonder what other axes are there. So that's something I might have to do a little more recon on. And if I figure anything out or learn anything, I'll I'll pass it along to you guys. But uh, there's the gut brain and the gut kidney. Or or if anyone in the audience knows, please email me or or send me a message through social media or LinkedIn or something and and let me know. Because now I'm curious. Because, of course, the gut brain gets, you know, all the notoriety. But now there's this gut kidney axis we want to be aware of and and, uh, pay heed to. And, again, it makes me wonder what other axes are directly connected to our gut. And that just makes me harken back to my interview with Dr. Kelly Blodgett, the biological dentist who, of course, everything, your oral cavity directly impacts everything in your body systemically. So whether it's a neurological tie or or indirect tie, I'm sure he would say it in a much more articulate way, but your oral health impacts every aspect of your body and every system in your body. So your oral health impacts your gut health, and your gut health impacts your brain health and your kidney health via the gut-brain-gut-kidney axis. So again, that makes me wonder what other axes we want to be aware of with the gut, because there's all these loops, and that's what makes the body so gosh darn amazing is it's so complex, so many loops, so many interplay, and that's why we can't think of health as, as a one-size-fits-all or, or you know break it down into its individual parts, because we're really missing out on the entire picture when we do that. And again, that's what makes red light therapy so darn amazing is that it has the potential to impact so many different systems, so many different tissues, so many different cells because of its its role and its uh, impact on the mitochondria. So, man, to have something something like red light therapy, and apparently, according to this review, helps with chronic kidney failure. That's not an easy thing to treat. Anything chronic is not easy to treat, but especially that chronic kidney disease. So anyway, I thought that was a pretty interesting article to share with you guys. So let's move on to another article. And and this is one of those articles, I could only get the abstract of it. I I couldn't get the full article. But I think the results are are interesting nonetheless. Nothing that's going to surprise you, but it just, again, reinforces the role of red and near-infrared light. And in this case, it has to do with oral health or bone healing in dentistry. And this is a systematic review, which is why I want to share it with you guys, because a systematic review looks at all of the available literature on a specific topic, and then it concludes, based on the strongest available articles out of their research, what do the results say, and then they develop their review and their answer to that. And so that's why a systematic review of a certain topic is so strong, because they've scoured the research for you, and they're giving you the results on a silver platter. And so this article came out, it's a systematic review, came out in 2022 in July. It's called The Effectiveness of Photobiomodulation Therapy on Human Bone Healing in Dentistry, a Systematic Review. The quick background for the article is, despite the association, possible causality, and contradictory results, 
numerous studies evaluate photobiomodulation therapy on the process of human bone healing. It is of paramount importance to review the available literature to elucidate the effect of laser on the bone healing process in dentistry. So again, as a systematic review, that was their objective was to analyze the effectiveness of photobiomodulation therapy to improve bone healing in dentistry. So they scoured the research to review all of the available literature. And I think it looks like there's 17 articles. 17 had the primary outcomes of bone healing. Of these, 11 studies revealed improvement in bone healing with photobiomodulation. And six studies suggested no effect. So, conclusions, and the conclusion of the systematic review is, within the limitations of this systematic review, bone healing in dentistry was improved with the use of photobiomodulation. And again, with since it's a systematic review, and I can't see the full article, I can't tell you which types of light they were using, whether it was red and or near-infrared. If I had to hazard a guess, probably near-infrared because in order to penetrate deep enough and get to the bone, red would not be a long enough wavelength, that visible light. You'd need that near-infrared. That's just my guess with these articles to see an improvement in the bone healing. But carrying on here with the conclusion, photobiomodulation therapy can promote anti-inflammatory and analgesic effects or pain-improving effects improve healing, as well as enhance quality of life related to oral health. Within the areas analyzed in dentistry, laser parameters varied greatly, becoming difficult to consider a definite protocol as a proper one. And you guys have heard me say that time and time again, that across a handful of articles trying to treat the same thing, the parameters of the treatment or the protocol very greatly. And so that's why even in the protocol ebook, you'll see a lot of the protocols have quite a large duration range or frequency or dosage, I should just say, altogether. And that's because just like the systematic reviews pointing out, that's kind of where the research is right now. The dosages are kind of all over the place. And, and to a certain degree, you have to do that to find what the best results are. You have to go low, you have to go high, you have to go in between to really see what, what the best dosage is. But regardless, I just think it's good to revisit oral health because that's really one of the areas of red light therapy that there's the most research on. And a lot of it does have to do with dentistry. So again, good to reinforce that, yes, indeed, red light therapy is good for oral health, but it's also good for healing the bone in your oral cavity. So just wanted to revisit that topic with this systematic review. So let's move on to another topic that is pretty darn popular for those interested in red light therapy, and that is eye health. And this article, it's actually from January of 2021, but for some reason it just popped up in my email that I have set up where I get emailed whenever new articles come out. So not sure why this one came into the mailbox, but regardless, great information. It's entitled Near Infrared Light Therapy of Eye Diseases. A review. So again, coming up on two years old, but still relevant information. All right, guys, as I promised, I am going to be offering you guys an exclusive 15% discount for the pre-sale order of The Matrix. Uh, like I spoke about earlier, this is a groundbreaking, innovative, patent-pending piece of technology from BioLite. It is literally a full-body red light therapy mat. You heard that right, a mat. It's a quarter of an inch thick. You can roll it up like a yoga mat. It has over 2,100 LEDs, and like all BioLite, Biolite products, 
you have the option of choosing red and near infrared light combo, red light only, or near infrared light only. The dimensions are 69 inches by 34 inches. So you can either lay on it full body, cover it on top of your body like a blanket, roll up a section of your body, let's say your abdomen or one of your legs or one of your arms or a third or half of your body at once, roll yourself up like a bean burrito and literally give yourself a 360 degree red light therapy treatment. And more or less, you can think of this mat, the matrix, as the next phase of red light therapy. Because right now everyone has panels and there's a time in place for that, but I think now is the time for innovation and moving the needle forward on red light therapy technology. This red light therapy mat, the matrix, roll it up, you can sit on it, you can stand on it, you can lay on it, you can roll yourself up. It's extremely versatile. It's easy to take on the go, so you're not just bound to hanging it up on a door or a wall. It's very easy to take on the go, put it in the corner of your room so it takes up minimal room in your house. The options are endless. Really, you guys, my loyal podcast audience, I'm going to offer you guys a 50 15% discount through pre-sale, which will be through the majority of October. So for the next three or four weeks from the recording of this podcast, you can get 15% and the discount code is simply podcast. So go to biolight.shop, check out the matrix. If you want this exclusive 15% discount, simply use coupon code podcast at checkout to receive that discount. And I know you guys are going to absolutely love this game changing product, the matrix. This is another one where you can get the full text for free. Let's begin with this first section called Potential Retinal Therapeutic Applications by Near-Infrared Light. It goes on to say that evidence has suggested that near-infrared light may restore biological function of damaged mitochondria, upregulate cytoprotective factors, and inhibit apoptosis, or cell death. Photons from near-infrared light can penetrate diseased retina, be absorbed by mitochondrial photoreceptors such as cytochrome C oxidase to promote mitochondrial energy, beneficial metabolism, elevate production of cytoprotective factors, and again, prevent apoptosis. Surprisingly, protective effects from near-infrared light lasts as much as a month from damage, linked to increase of mRNA expression in neuroprotection. So that's pretty interesting. Some protective effects from near-infrared can last up to a month. And we know from previous research, this is kind of getting off this, this article here, but we know from previous research that a single red light session in the morning can lead to statistically significant improved visual and color acuity for a week. And so they're citing here that near-infrared can lead to protective effects for up to a month from damaged. But let's move on here. They go on to say that Near-infrared light may also protect photoreceptors, avoid cell death due to phototoxicity with decreased multiple gene expression induced by light damage. Remarkably, near-infrared light may reduce death of photoreceptors by 70%. Also, near-infrared light treatment can lower intraocular pressure as long as several months. So there's a lot of things here where, again, specifically near-infrared light can be beneficial for retinal pathologies and, and the optic nerves. And so let's go into this next section here that's entitled Potential Optic Therapeutic Applications by Near-Infrared Light. Light penetration from near-infrared light rely on target tissues, wavelengths, and sources of near-infrared light. Near-infrared light is safe but effective. Within near-infrared wavelengths, light can penetrate eyes at a maximal level, but absorption of light 
by cornea and lens is at minimal level, maybe approximately 10%, they're saying. So the cornea and the lens only absorb about 10% of the light. The neurons from retina require high energy or a lot of mitochondrial ATP to satisfy their tissue requirements. And just, again, getting off the review here, we know that nerves require lots and lots of energy. So like they're saying here, the neurons in the retina require a lot of mitochondrial ATP. And thus, if your mitochondria are inefficient or dysfunctional in producing ATP, that's where you're going to see these neuroretinopathologies in the eye when the mitochondria aren't able to produce as much ATP as they need to just for normal function. And so I've said this before, but I'll say it again. In areas that are mitochondrial dense, in tissues and organs that require a lot of energy, they're energy intensive. While that's great that they can respond well to red light therapy as far as boosting those mitochondria and upregulating ATP production, that also means that when you begin to have mitochondrial dysfunction, those areas are going to decline likely first and likely hardest. And so that's why we see a lot of eye issues as we quote unquote age. That's why we see a lot of brain issues as we quote unquote get old or as we age. That's why we have heart issues. These areas of liver is another one. These organs or tissues, again, when their mitochondria aren't producing enough ATP consistently, that's where we see diseases. So again, back to the article here, when the neurons in your eye or in the retina again, aren't producing enough ATP, you're going to have a retinopathy. You're going to have some sort of eye or ophthalmology condition or disease. But luckily, you know, according to this research and others, red and near-infrared light can help prevent, can help mitigate, can sometimes help reverse pathologies in your eye. Moving along in the article here, mitochondrial, they call it malfunction, plays a critical role in retinal neurodegeneration. Optic neuron damages are characterized by high morbidity and mortality without any effective treatments at present. Alzheimer's patients have fewer retinal ganglion cells, ganglion axons, than healthy people. Leber's optic neuropathy, a mitochondrial disease, can lead to about 2% of all blindness patients in this world. That's funny, they said in this world. In the world. Therefore, cellular degeneration from retinal ganglion cells is a major health problem in this world. Again, interesting. That makes me want to look to see what the authors are from China. So they're doing their best to translate their words to English. Other genetic disorders include Lay syndrome, myoclonic epilepsy due to ragged red fibers, never heard of that, mitochondrial acidosis and strokes, spastic paraplegia, and optic atrophy syndrome. Therefore, near-infrared light is significant for applications to eye and neuron therapies to retinal damage by correction of mitochondrial disorders. In all, near-infrared light is effective on moderate certain injuries of eyes and nerves. And so, there's quite a few other sections that are pretty interesting as well. They get relatively technical and and deep into the science, which I'm not going to bore you guys with because I know that's extremely boring to listen to. But I'll kind of give you a synopsis of this section. The section is treatment of myopia by near-infrared light. And so basically what they're saying here is that myopia is largely caused by blue light, like blue light technology, and or 
high flicker rates. And what that does to the eyeball is that it literally elongates it. So when you expose your eye to too much blue light on a very consistent basis, think of office workers in front of computers or or teenagers and kids constantly on their phones or playing video games uh, exposed to that blue light from, from the screens, that can literally lengthen the eyeball. And that's what leads to myopia. And myopia is the first stage to age-related macular degeneration. And, and the same thing with a high flicker rate. There's actually a small part of this section that I want to read to you guys, just so you can kind of hear what they're talking about and kind of hear it from a scientific perspective, what I'm trying to say. So they go on to say that the composition of wavelength is closely associated with refractive errors and thus myopia, for example. Flickering blue light promotes the refractive decreases such as myopia. And upon returning to colony lighting, refractions may return to emetropia, suggesting that flicker light may be closely linked to signaling defocus. So I think that was a long-winded way of saying what I was saying with, with the blue light and the flicker rate. It messes with the refraction or elongates your eye which messes with the refraction. So anyway, red light may alter refractive development by decreasing elongation of vitreous chamber and increasing choroidal thickness, suggesting that long wavelength light with narrow band may retard axial elongation by induced hyperopic defocus and form deprivation probably due to activating signals linked to myopic defocus. So yeah, even even just saying that, I can see how that's boring. But essentially, it's what I was saying before, that blue light, that high flicker rate elongates the eye. Of course, this is over time and this is over repetition, but it elongates the eye and causes that defocus. And quite honestly, that's why the vast majority of the Asian population wears glasses because they're constantly, 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 from a very, 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 very young age in front of screens. And so by the time they're a kid, let alone alone a teenager or a young adult, they're likely wearing glasses. And again, that's because their eyeball is literally lengthened and their eyes are perceiving the world differently than when their eyeball is in normal shape, let's say. And that's why I'm such a proponent of blue light blockers. It's not just for your circadian rhythm and, and, and what that does for your health, but it hopefully, and again, I don't have research to back this, but just reading this makes me think that hopefully blue light blockers help preserve your eyeball, helps preserve that elongation from happening so your eyes don't become myopic, or at least not as quickly. And so that's what a large portion of, of that article is talking about is the, the implications of being constantly exposed to blue light, of being constantly exposed to high flicker rates, and we're thinking of fluorescent lights there. And actually, computer screens have, have the worst combination of that extremely high flicker rate blue light. That's just something to keep in mind. And so, again, huge proponent for anyone and everyone to be wearing blue light blockers when you're in front of your computer screen, when you're watching TV, uh, when you're on your cell phone, and of course, especially at night, you should have an orange tint, which basically knocks out all color, which makes it very boring to watch TV and makes it very boring to be on your phone, which again, that's kind of a good thing, but it also it preserves your eyes and your circadian rhythm. And it's also very interesting what in this article, here's the first line of that uh, section that I didn't want to read to you because it was too scientific. Here's the first 
line. It says that increased outdoor activities are also effective to prevent myopia occurrence and to retard shift of refractive error from myopia, but not to decrease progression of already myopic eyes. So that's another key take-home point. They're saying, get outside, (laughs) get away from the screens, get away from the blue light, get away from the high flicker rate, get outside in full spectrum light that has that beautiful combination of of all visible light and then non-visible light such as UV and, and infrared. But get exposed to that. Get out there. Don't be stuck in front of your computers because that can help prevent myopia. But the caveat is if your eyes are already myopic, going outside's not going to reverse it. Once they're myopic, once they're elongated, apparently that's not going to help decrease the progression, you know, according to this review, according to this article. And so again, keep that in mind whenever you're in front of technology, the impact that can have on your eyes, especially if you're younger, the younger you can understand that, the better. And hopefully maybe you can go longer in your life without dealing with eye or vision issues. So regardless, and that's also why I'm an advocate of utilizing red light near or when you're using a device. So if you have to be on your phone, if you have to be on a tablet or computer TV, if you have red light somewhere in the room, it doesn't have to be directly directed directly at you. But if you have red light in the room, you're going to balance that blue light and you may help mitigate some of these issues this article is pointing out with too much blue light leading to myopia. And again, just as a reminder, and I've heard this from from several experts in the field, myopia is the first step to macular degeneration. So if you can prevent or mitigate your odds of walking down the yellow brick road to myopia, you're going to greatly help yourself in staving off macular degeneration. Those are the three articles, guys, I want to share with you today. Kind of an interesting (laughs) combination. We had chronic kidney disease, we had bone healing for dentistry, and then eye health via near-infrared light. And that's another reminder about that last article. They were looking at specifically near-infrared light. They weren't even talking about red light, which we know, as I cited during that article review, that red light certainly has its role with eye health and helping with color acuity and visual acuity. So, so that's why I tell people, don't think that it's just red or just near-infrared for eye health. Uh, One of the reasons why I am a proponent for near-infrared light for eye health is because it's much less harsh than bright red light that you get in those panels. But if you can get a device that has a lower brightness to the red light, that is perfect for the eyes because then it's not so so harsh and it's easier to carry out those treatments. But yeah, red and near-infrared for eye health, near-infrared for kidney health, and then near-infrared for bone healing in the mouth or, or for dentistry, I would think. So that's it for this week, guys. I hope you enjoyed the, the article or the research review. I have a boatload of links, meaning articles that I need to go through and read and, and synthesize. So going forward, I'll be doing more of these reviewing of the research articles, which is a nice alliteration, RRR, going forward in, in future solo sodes. So if you enjoy the research articles, you know, you have something to look forward there. I'll look forward to there. And of course, I'll be churning out some more exciting interviews. I hope you've been enjoying the last handful of them. A lot of great information from these experts in, in their own respectful field. So, but as always, guys, if you have a quick moment, please take a quick 15 to 30 seconds to leave a five-star review on either iTunes or I should say Apple Podcasts and or Spotify. I would greatly appreciate that. That way, this podcast can be found by more people and they can learn about the many 
health and wellness benefits of red light therapy, just like you have. But I hope you guys have a wonderful rest of your week. Enjoy your beginning of November. And as always, light up your health. Thank you for listening to the Red Light Report. If you like what you heard today, go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes and other podcast platforms to help spread the word so other people can learn about the many health, wellness, and longevity benefits of red light therapy. If you're looking for more educational content, check out our Instagram page at biolight.shop and our YouTube channel, Biolight. I'm Dr. Mike Belkowski, and I'll see you on the next episode.